Blessed transfiguration to all of you, dear brothers and sisters. My homily today is titled, Have No Fear. And we'll get to the fear part, I promise, but in a roundabout way. First, we need to consider what is perhaps the strangest and most wonderful thing about the transfiguration. And that is that it actually happened. On the mountain, as Jesus spoke with God, his face began to shine like the sun, and his garments began to shine as white as light. No doubt you can see the connection with Moses. On Mount Sinai, as Moses spoke with God, his face began to shine with light and his clothing. And Moses came down from the mountain, and the people were afraid to come near him because his face was shining, so much so that he ended up having to put a veil over his face. So when you see people in church wearing masks, perhaps that's why. Maybe they've been talking with God. There are many similarities between Jesus and Moses, way more than could be mentioned here. But I will mention just a few. Of course, when Moses was a baby, Pharaoh tried to kill him and all the other babies. And when Jesus was a baby, Herod tried to kill him and all the other babies. Note the close connection between satanic tyrants and the killing of babies. In our case, those still in the womb. Of course, God would send Moses to set the people free from Pharaoh. And God would send Jesus to set the world free from Satan. With Moses, God saved the people through the Red Sea. With Jesus, God saves us through holy baptism. With Moses, there was the Passover lamb. And Jesus himself is our Passover lamb, slain and eaten, that death might pass over us. Moses led the people on to the promised land, and Jesus is now leading us on to the true promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. As they journeyed, Moses fed the people with manna, with bread from heaven, and Jesus said that he is the true bread from heaven. And as we journey through the wilderness of this world, he gives himself for us to eat. Moses initiated the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, by sprinkling the people with the blood of bulls. And Jesus, taking his cup, said, this cup is the New Testament, the New Covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Where the Old Testament law reveals our sinful condition, the New Testament blood cleanses us from all our sins. In Jesus, a greater than Moses is here. And of course, as Moses spoke with God, his face shone with light. And as Jesus spoke with God, his face shone with light as well, leading me to wonder, if this, in fact, isn't the natural condition of man, 
if when we are all face to face with God in the end and enjoying the beatific vision, if all our faces won't shine like this and shine for all eternity. No need for masks, not only because there will no longer be harmful germs or death or the fear of death, but also because we will have faces that shine and eyes with which we can behold one another without fear. Indeed, Jesus himself says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Which leads to an interesting question. If the transfiguration of Jesus is the transfiguration of Jesus, more a revelation of his divine nature, the fact that he is true God, his divine nature shining through the human nature, or is it more a revelation that he is true man, man as God is creating man to be, and that we shall all become as he is? Well, I like both. In the transfiguration, we can see so wonderfully what the Catechism teaches us to confess. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil. He did this not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness. If we are destined, as Jesus himself indicates, to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, then this is how we come to such a blessing, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our sins. And by faith, not by earning or by deserving, but by trusting in the forgiveness of sins that flows from the cross to the chalice to our lips, the New Testament in his blood, we will shine like the sun because he cleanses us. He is greater than our sins. He is greater than the fears and uncertainty of this short life. He is greater even than death. And he is greater than all the forces of evil that shape this world and the lives of those who live in it. And that is perhaps the thought that we need to let settle into our hearts. If God is for us, who can be against us? If the transfigured one, the crucified one, the risen one is for us, who can be against us? John Chrysostom, some of you will recognize that name from our Thursday morning study on his homilies on marriage and family life. He, as with so many Christians, ran afoul of the governmental powers of his own time. While Romans 13 certainly sets the default for us as Christians, we honor governmental authority as authority that comes from God. 
It is also true that where governmental authority is opposed to the things of God, it is no longer authority that comes from God. Brilliant, I know. The scriptures from start to finish are a compendium of accounts of how people of God buck the authority of governments that are hell-bent, literally, on destroying them. Think Moses and Pharaoh, David and Saul, David and the Philistines when he lived under them, Elijah and Ahab, the three youths and Nebuchadnezzar, Darius tried to tell Daniel that his prayers were not essential and that they needed to be on lockdown for 30 days. Well, we know how that went. Daniel wouldn't cease from praying for even a single day. And so it goes right up until John the Baptist, calling out the governmental powers of his own day for their sexual immorality. I guess some things never change. And this theme of godly defiance has continued for the past 2,000 years. Chrysostom of the fourth century was no different. We don't know the exact contours of what went down, but we do know that he infuriated the government when he took the side of the people against high taxes. What would he say about California? He criticized the ruling class for stealing from the people through taxation and the appearance of what was good and lawful. And he criticized them for their neglect of the truly poor and their worship of money and earthly power. What would he say of Washington, D.C.? Chrysostom, which means golden tongue, was told to watch his tongue or else. But he didn't. In fact, he responded this way. What are we to fear? Death? Life to me means Christ, and death is gain. Exile? The earth and its fullness belong to the Lord. The confiscation of our goods? We brought nothing into this world, and we shall surely take nothing from it. I have only contempt for the world's threats. I find its blessings laughable. I have no fear of poverty, no desire for wealth. I am not afraid of death, nor do I long to live, except for your good. If Christ is with me, whom shall I fear? Though the waves and the sea and the anger of princes are aroused against me, they are less to me than a spider's web. Eventually, Chrysostom was exiled, and that led to his death. But he was not afraid. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, says our Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. The powers of darkness all around us want nothing more than this, that we would be afraid, that we would tremble, that we would be moved, and that finally we would join with them against our God. But this is not our destiny. God has not given us a spirit of fear, the scriptures say, but of power and love and self-control. We are not children of darkness, but children of the light. 
And as children of the light, there is only one thing we are called to fear in all of heaven and earth, our God. Yes, we are called to fear, love, and trust in him above all things. So when Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they heard the voice of God, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But even this is not exactly what God desires. God desires that we fear him, yes, but does he desire that we be terrified of him? No, for he is not only our God, but our Father. He not only daily and richly forgives us all our sins, he is also bringing us up and raising us up as his own beloved children so that we shall one day be like he is, like father, like sons, and our faces will shine like that of our Lord. Our God is the father of lights, the scriptures say, and we are those lights. Jesus came and he touched his terrified disciples. Rise, he said to them, and have no fear. And they lifted up their eyes, and they saw no one but Jesus only. How much more, then, when the pathetic powers of darkness surround us, when death and sufferings come upon us, when uncertainties and anxieties claw at our hearts, how much more? must we hear the voice of our Lord Jesus and set our eyes on him only. Rise, he says, and have no fear. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.